Please take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52 are the verses we'll be looking at this evening. If you want to use one of the Bibles, one of the new Bibles we put in the pews, it's page 1021. Page 1021 is the scripture where you'll find that. Once you've located Mark 10, 46, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man saying to him, take courage, get up, he's calling for you. And throwing off his outer garment, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered him and said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. You can be seated. The title of the message tonight is A Model for Disciples. Here we have another miracle story of Jesus. This miracle story is different from most of those we've seen already. We've seen Jesus do a lot of miracles as we've studied the book of Mark. But in this story, the primary concern here is not to display the power of Jesus. Although it does, it certainly displays his miraculous power. But we've seen that a lot already. In this story, where it's placed, it is primarily giving Bartimaeus, presenting Bartimaeus as a model for disciples. We might say that Bartimaeus shows what it looks like to come to Jesus in faith. Over the last couple of chapters, you remember, I, I mentioned this morning that Jesus has been training his disciples about serving others and about the importance of humility. You know, about how you should receive and welcome the least of these, those that society would shun and turn away. And we've often mentioned that what Jesus gives he gives a picture of the kingdom of God and shows how the values of the kingdom of God are reverse of what the values in our society are. Right? In our society, those who are great are the ones who have servants. But in the kingdom, Jesus says, the ones who are great are the servants. In our society, if you want to be first, you promote yourself. Push yourself to the front. But in the kingdom, if you want to be first, then you take last place. The, the values of the kingdom turn the values of this world on their 
head. And as we look at Bartimaeus, this really does provide kind of a summary on the reversal of values that we see in the kingdom of God. Because when you see this recruitment of Bartimaeus to follow Jesus, you see that he is the least likely of all to become a follower of Jesus. He's one of those little ones that Jesus talked about. Received these little ones. One that society would have overlooked, would have neglected. And yet he comes to become a follower of Jesus. He is welcomed. He is an example of the last who becomes first. As Bartimaeus joins Jesus on the way to Jerusalem, following Him on the road, He functions as an example of discipleship. And what Mark is trying to do, He wants you and I to identify with Bartimaeus. He wants to see Bartimaeus' experience and compare our own experience as disciples to that so we get a genuine picture of what discipleship looks like, of what it means to come to faith in Jesus. So, how does Bartimaeus give us a model for discipleship? How does he serve as a model for disciples? Four things I want you to notice about Bartimaeus in these verses. Here's the first thing I want you to notice. His condition. Here's the setting. Jesus and His disciples come to the city of Jericho. This is not the same Jericho that you find in Joshua, the book of Joshua. Uh, you know, when they the walls fell down and they defeated the city. This is not the same Jericho. It's about a mile away from where that city would have been. This, this Jericho was the site of a magnificent winter palace that was built by King Herod the Great. It was the eastern capital of his empire. A very prominent city. An affluent city with power and wealth. And you see in verse 46 that Jesus and his disciples had a large crowd following along with them. Now, this crowd wasn't all disciples of Jesus. They were pilgrims. Where were they going? Well, they were traveling to Jerusalem for the Passover, which is where Jesus was also going. It was just a few days before Passover, and so Jesus is going to Jerusalem and there are many, many others traveling to Jerusalem as well because the main road to Jerusalem went through Jericho. Jericho is about 20 miles from Jerusalem. Now, what you'll think about is this. I already told you Jericho is a very prominent city. This is the main road from Jerusalem to Jerusalem. Uh, to Jerusalem. Well, blind and lame people who made their living begging 
would often situate themselves on this road from Jericho to Jerusalem because it's a strategic location. There would be lots of travelers on this road, especially at a time like this when people were making the pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Passover. So that's the situation. There's a crowd moving through Jericho to Jerusalem. Bartimaeus is sitting just outside the gate of Jericho on the main road begging for alms. Now, Bartimaeus, his condition is described in two words. He's a blind beggar. A blind beggar. He was a beggar because he was blind. He was unable to support himself. In that day, there were no schools for the blind. There were no help for handicapped people like that. He would be helpless, have no way to support himself. The only way he could support himself was by begging. And this is the way it would work. He would sit by the roadside and he would have his cloak spread across his lap and he would cry out as people walked by, alms for the poor. Have mercy, alms for the poor. And people would throw coins into his cloak that was spread across his lap. And that's how he got what he needed to be able to eat and survive. Now there are two things we're told about Bartimaeus. And I want you to see how those two things represent all of us. Bartimaeus, first of all, was blind. As we think about disciples, we understand what it means to be spiritual, spiritually blind. Bartimaeus was physically what all people are apart from the Lord Jesus. Blind. This is where discipleship begins. It begins with a person who is blind spiritually. Let me give you a verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Paul writes this, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, those who are lost, in whose case the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. He's telling us Satan blinds the mind of unbelievers and he keeps them from seeing the reality of Jesus and who he is and the good news of Jesus. Here's what I need you to understand. All people before they come to Christ and those who never come to Christ spiritually are blind. That means they don't see the reality of their own condition they don't recognize their own lostness. They don't recognize their own wickedness, their own state of damnation apart from God. They don't realize the truth of who Jesus is. They don't see it. They don't accept it. They don't realize the truth about humanity. They don't realize the truth about heaven and hell. Listen, apart from a work of Christ in men, they are blind to the truth of God. You have known people and you could talk to them about the scripture. You could talk to them about Jesus. You could share things with them, but they don't see it. You know what I mean? No matter how much you try to explain it, they don't buy it. They're blind to it. They're unable to see the truth. When they look at Jesus, they don't see in him what you see. 
They don't see the Son of the living God. They don't see the virgin-born Savior of the world. The one who has existed from all eternity and will rule over the kingdom forever. They don't see Jesus for what He is. They're blind. This is where Bartimaeus was physically. But this is a very real reality for people in this world. And every single one of us in this room at one point has been spiritually blind. But there's something else about his condition that helps us to understand something about the condition of mankind. He was not only blind, he was a beggar. If blindness represents spiritual blindness, then being a beggar represents spiritual poverty. What do I mean by poverty of spirit? Well, it's what Matthew talks about in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, not only are those who are unbelievers, not only are they spiritually blind, they're spiritually destitute. What that means is they have nothing to offer God to commend themselves to Him. They have no way to earn good favor in God's sight. They have nothing to offer God that He would accept as a basis for receiving Him into His favor. Are you with me? They're destitute. They have nothing to give. Nothing to offer God to make up for their rebellion against God. Nothing to bring God that would cause Him to receive them and accept them. They are without resources spiritually. Absolutely spiritually bankrupt. No goodness to offer God that's going to cause Him to receive them and embrace them. Nothing. So as we look at Bartimaeus, we see his condition. He is a blind beggar. And he is a picture of where we all begin. Where Bartimaeus began is where all disciples begin. We begin spiritually blind and spiritually destitute and bankrupt. That's his condition. Now there's something else that's notice about Bartimaeus. Let's notice his cry. We see this in verses 47 and 48. Bartimaeus can hear all the commotion. He can hear the crowd and he wants to know. It's, it's a much more noise than usual. Jesus caused a kind of a ruckus everywhere he went. And, and Bartimaeus says, what's going on? He can't see it. He can only hear it. And someone tells him that it's Jesus the Nazarene who is passing by. And he begins to cry out. That means loud. It doesn't mean he said, he began to cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, loud. He wanted it to be heard over the noise of the crowd. Now, there are some things that Bartimaeus knows that are very, very important. First of all, he knows who Jesus is. Did you notice he calls him Son of David? He's the only person in the Gospel of Mark up to this point who has acknowledged Jesus as the son of David. 
If you go back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 11 through 14, you find out that God makes a promise to King David. He makes a covenant with King David that he would establish David's throne forever. In other words, one of David's ancestors, excuse me, one of his descendants would rule over the throne of God forever. And the Jews came to recognize that that coming king, that coming descendant of David who would be king, they come to call him the son of David or the Messiah, the Christ. So for Bartimaeus to call Jesus the son of David, he's acknowledging that Jesus is the promised one, the promised king, the Greek is Christ, the Hebrews Messiah, same idea. He's acknowledging who Jesus is. Now this is, this is where discipleship begins. It begins when we see Jesus for who He truly is. When that spiritual blindness begins to be lifted and we recognize that Jesus is not just another teacher, not just another public figure, not even just another king. He's the promised one. He's the Savior and Deliverer that God has said He would send to redeem His people. There's something else Bartimaeus knows besides who Jesus is. He knows His need. Did you see what He says? Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy. Why does He ask for mercy? Because what he needs from Jesus can't be bought. What he needs from Jesus can't be earned. What he needs from Jesus can't be deserved. It can only be given as a gift. So he doesn't ask, do me a favor. He doesn't say, hey, if you'll do this for me, I'll pay you back. He doesn't make promises about all that he'll do if Jesus will help him. He just looks to the Son of God and says, have mercy on me. In other words, he's acknowledging his own condition. That he is helpless. I got nothing to give you, Jesus. I, I just look to you for mercy. Luke chapter 18, the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee both are in the temple praying and the Pharisee's praying this prayer bragging on himself before God in verse 13 it says the tax collector standing some distance away was unwilling even to lift his eyes to heaven but was beating his chest saying God be merciful to me the sinner see discipleship doesn't just begin when you see Jesus for who he is it begins when you see yourself for who you are a sinner who's in need of mercy a sinner who can't earn God's favor cannot deserve God's favor cannot buy God's favor can only plead for it to be given as a gift of God out of his mercy Bartimaeus knows who Jesus is. He knows his need. And there's something else I want you to notice. Verse 48. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet. 
but he kept crying out all the more son of David have mercy on me you remember when the disciples tried to keep the children away from Jesus children these children they're not important they're a bother send them away well that's what the people are trying to do to Bartimaeus be quiet leave him alone why because he's insignificant he's a beggar he's the he's the least of these so they try to keep him quiet but he kept crying out all the more what he has here is persistence in the face of a very hostile crowd he refuses to be turned back what does this tell us about him what does he know he knows Jesus is his only hope this is his chance this is the Messiah this is the promised one this is the one who the Old Testament says would give sight to the blind Isaiah 53 and he's here this is my only hope and so when people tell him to be quiet he dismisses them not going to listen listen to me a disciple is someone who has come to not only know who Jesus is and not only know who, what his need is a disciple is someone who has come to know that his only hope of salvation is Jesus you will not be saved until you come to the place where you understand there is salvation in nobody else. Until you come to the place where you know Jesus is your only hope, you'll find in him no hope. John chapter 6. We see many of Jesus' followers turn away from him and stop following him because of some of the things he said that were hard to accept. John 6, verses 66 through 68, listen to what it says. As a result of this, these things he'd said, many of his disciples went away and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life disciple those who, who say where else are we going to go? There's hope in nobody else but Jesus. That's where Bartimaeus is. He said don't tell me to shut up. Man, it's this man this man's the only chance I got. This man's my only hope. There is no other Messiah. There is no other Savior. Him. That's his cry. His cry is Son of David, have mercy on me. I want you to notice now his call. Jesus calls Bartimaeus. And I want you to notice when Jesus calls him, how he comes to Jesus, how he responds. Verse 49, the first thing I want you to notice, my favorite two words in this verse. Jesus stopped. Jesus has got a crowd with him. 
massive crowd. He's on the way to Jerusalem. His eyes and mind and heart are fixed on what's coming, his suffering, his cross, his resurrection. He hears this cry above all the noise, Son of David. He hears in that the cry of faith, one who knows who he is, have mercy on me. He hears in that the cry of someone who knows his own desperation. He hears that cry over and over and over, the persistence in this man's cry. Jesus stopped. I wonder if when you in your own desperation cry out to Jesus if he stops. What does it say about Jesus when he hears the cry of desperation he stops and says bring him to me call him here That, that just that image astounds me when he hears the cry of desperation he stops next time you're in a place of desperation and you're crying from your heart out of desperation remember this Jesus stopped bring him to me so what does it look like to come to Jesus notice this first of all in verse 50 throwing off his outer garment he jumped up and came to Jesus now I don't want you to run past this this phrase throwing off his outer garment his outer garment was his cloak it's what he used to wrap around him and lay across his lap when he collected alms when people would give him coins they would throw them into his cloak now this may seem like a small thing to you but this was his most valuable possession he would have slept in it it was his only covering other than his underclothes really this was the most prized possession this man had it was something he needed but think about this he didn't carefully set it aside he, he didn't fold it up and sit it I mean, this is his most valuable possession but what does he do he throws it down like it's worthless garbage it, it, he's throwing it off the picture is as he jumps up he casts it off with no thought of where it goes with no thought of what would happen to it he just rips it off of him nothing was going to stand in the way of him getting to Jesus this was his opportunity and even his most valuable possession would be cast aside so he could get to Jesus Nothing was going to stand in his way. Not people. He wouldn't let their their cries to shut up. He wouldn't listen to them. Not possessions. Nothing he had was going to get in the way and trip him up. Keep him from coming to Jesus. No pleasure. No plans. Nothing in his life was going to keep him from getting to Jesus. Listen. You want to know how disciples come to Jesus? That's how you come. Nothing can stand in the way of you coming to Jesus not people 
not the ridicule of those around you who would ridicule you and criticize you for being a follower of Jesus not your possessions nothing you have can be more prized to you than Jesus not your pleasure there can be no pleasure this life you hold on to more dearly than Jesus not your plans whatever your plans may be you must be willing to give them all up cast them all aside in order to come to Jesus how do disciples come to Jesus casting everything aside Notice what else it says. Throwing off his outer garment, he jumped up. Why doesn't it say he stood up? Anybody want to guess? Why doesn't it say he stood up? Because that's not what he did. He jumped up. What is that, what is that a picture of? not only eager he was eager no hesitation no second thoughts no doubts he comes immediately no second thoughts you know what that's a picture of coming to Jesus wholeheartedly without reservations without reservations without second thoughts holding nothing back coming to him with absolute abandon Matthew 10 37 to 39 he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. He who has lost his life for my sake will find it. This is a man who understands that. He's willing to leave everything. He's willing to abandon everything. He's willing to lose his life if he can just get to Jesus. And notice something else in verse 51. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And notice what he calls Jesus. Rabboni. Now don't confuse that with the word rabbi. The word rabbi simply means teacher. This is a heightened use of that word. It's a different word. You could literally translate this, my master. You would only expect to hear this word on the lips of one who was a disciple of Jesus. This word Rabboni was not normally used of earthly people, of humans too much. In, in secular Greek literature, it was used most of the time in reference to God. My master. What else does this tell us about coming to Jesus? Disciples come in absolute submission. You see it? My master. He comes not only forsaking all that he has. He comes not only wholehearted without reservation, without hesitation. He comes in submission to Jesus. My master. I want to regain my sight. He acknowledges Jesus' power and authority 
and he comes in complete submission how do you come to Jesus you come the same way Bartimaeus came holding nothing back no reservations no hesitation no second thoughts and you come in complete submission to Jesus we've seen his condition his cry his call notice finally in verse 52 his conversion what you see in verse 52 is a picture not just of a healing of a blind man it's a picture of conversion spiritual conversion notice what it says Jesus said to him go your faith has saved you some of your versions will say made you well your faith has made you well the Greek word is literally sozo and it literally means saved it can refer to physical or spiritual saving but there are several things that tell us Jesus probably intends it to mean both here Bartimaeus was healed physically but he also became a convert a follower of Jesus you may not recognize this but Bartimaeus is the only healed person in the entire book of Mark that Mark gives his name not one other person who's healed in the entire gospel of Mark are we given their name why does Mark give his name well the belief is that Mark gives his name because people in the early church would have recognized his name in other words, he became part of the early Christian movement. And Mark gives his name because those who are reading his gospel would have heard his name. They would have recognized it. So he comes to Jesus. Now notice what it says about him. He regained his sight. Isn't that a picture of what happens in conversion? Your eyes are open to the truth about yourself, the truth about Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God shined his light in our hearts so that we would be able to see in Jesus the very glory of God. In other words, God allowed us to see the truth about who Jesus is, the truth about the gospel. He shined that light. He removed our blindness. So Bartimaeus, eyes were opened, and notice what else it says. He began following Jesus on the road. The word follow speaks of discipleship. He followed Jesus. But the word road is sometimes translated way. Same word. And in the book of Acts, this is what Christianity was called. It was called the what? The way. Mark is telling us, yes, Bartimaeus literally followed Jesus down the road. But he's wanting us to see that Bartimaeus became a follower of the way. Now what did Jesus say to Bartimaeus in verse 52? Go. Go. 
Is that what Bartimaeus did? No. Jesus told Bartimaeus, go. He didn't say, come. You with me? He didn't say, come with me. He said, go, as in go your way. But what does Bartimaeus do? He's following Jesus. He said, oh, your way is my way. Wherever you're going, that's where I'm going. Are you following me? He could have gone anywhere he wanted to. Where did he want to go? I want to go with him. One Bible commentator said it like this. The word saved combines both physical and spiritual dimensions. In Bartimaeus' case, the word is doubly appropriate, for he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The latter description designates the model disciple for Mark. Jesus has transformed Bartimaeus from a beggar beside the road to a disciple on the road. Faith that does not lead to discipleship is not saving faith. Whoever asks of Jesus must be willing to follow Jesus, even on the uphill road to the cross. In other words, he's wanting us to see Bartimaeus is the example for us of abandoning everything, having our eyes opened, and following Jesus in the way of the cross. What is conversion? Well, it's having your eyes opened to the reality of Jesus and then following Him on the way to the cross. Embracing the way of the cross. Having come to the realization of who Jesus is. Listen, disciples are those who see Jesus for who he really is and follow him. What I want you to see tonight is that Bartimaeus' encounter with Jesus teaches us what discipleship really involves. Calling out to Jesus for mercy. Understanding that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of David. Acknowledging Jesus' authority. Coming to Jesus in faith. Experience healing and transformation of your life. Following Jesus on the way of the cross. Don't you get it? All that happened to Bartimaeus is exactly what discipleship involves. Let's pray.